We'll be in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, as we look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and then departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Good morning, Providence family. Just say, I want to apologize right before I begin. We had uh, Matthias read the scripture, pray. I think Matthias has probably heard before about what a strong radio voice presence he has. And uh, I've never heard that. <laughs> so, uh, but with that being said, I am thrilled that our confidence is in the word of the, uh, God and we get to open that today. I also want to just say, uh, what Austin shared when he said Happy Father's Day uh, to you and knowing that that is, uh, does and can cut both ways. We are glad that we serve a God of all comfort uh, and that we are one that can find comfort in him. Uh, and so as we open God's word today, I do want to just say to a happy Father's Day to everyone. I, I will just take a special note. I'm not going to preach on me today, uh, of course, but I will uh, say that my family, they're adults uh, now, uh, and they've chosen to bless me uh, coming today. Uh, and I know that they don't have to, and that is an honor to me uh, to be able to worship our Lord with them. Uh, And so as we look into today's passage, uh, I just want to say before I do uh, two other additional things. And the first one is how much I just love our family, the uh, Providence family. I so enjoyed the worship today. I so enjoy uh, worshiping and just serving alongside you. It has just been a blessing uh, to Don and I, and we're just honored to be part of this, uh, this family as we serve the Lord together. Uh, and just so thankful for Austin's leadership, his 
friendship. He has just been uh, a fast friend uh, to me, uh, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, and I also uh, want you to pray with me as we go uh, forward today. And uh, my prayer is simple, uh, yet uh, I believe packs a punch. Anytime that I preach, I ask that God would be glorified. May he be glorified and recognized above all. I pray that saints would be encouraged, they would be edified, that what we read today would truly touch our lives. And then uh, last but certainly not least, I pray that souls would be touched that don't know Jesus Christ. The greatest treasure that they could ever have is a, a calling to worship and serve him. And I pray today that they would come to a decision to accept him uh, as their Lord and Savior. And so as we open Luke 10, it's the, uh, we're beginning in our study uh, of Luke, returning to it, I should say. We're looking at a familiar uh, passage, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And as Austin asked me to prepare and uh, begin praying about this, uh, when I was reading it, the thoughts of the flannel board when I was in Sunday school in VBS came to mind. Now, some of you will hear flannel board and are like, what is that? Uh, I have clearly dated myself. Uh, but a good Samaritan and the point making with the flannel board uh, illustration is it is one upon which most of us, if not all of us, are familiar. We've heard this parable before. We've heard the story that Jesus shares uh, before. And the second thing next to the flannel board that I was reminded of was also a cornflakes commercial of all things. I'll also date myself again. Now, uh, the cornflakes commercial went sort of like this. I, I don't know uh, the, uh, uh, the iterations of the commercial. I just know the slogan title, and it was, Taste Them Again uh, for the First Time. Now, with cornflakes, I bypassed that. Uh, and, but with the word... Uh, we're challenged this morning, those of us uh, uh, that are familiar with it, to not think we already know the story. The challenge is for what can the Lord really teach us from it, even though we may have heard it tens, even hundreds of times, what does the Lord have for us today to learn from this story? And as I was praying and uh, just asking the Lord uh, uh, that of me in this, uh, my study, here is what he began working in my heart, and I would pray he would do the same for you today, is that the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's a story that we often focus on, but it is delivered in the context of a conversation. And the Lord just had me constantly working in and working through this passage about the conversation that takes place between Jesus and a lawyer, also known as a scribe, that was trying to test Jesus with a question that uh, we uh, will get into in a moment. And so it was in that conversation and how the Lord navigated through the conversation that, uh, that the Lord started uh, perking my heart and, uh, and making me attend in a different way. And so it's with that, I would uh, just encourage you to go with me. And one of the things that he constantly was echoing in my heart as I was reading this is the issue of a doing problem. Three times in this passage, 
you see the word do in a fairly pronounced significant way. You see it with the lawyer. He comes out and he says, uh, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Then you see it a couple of verses later from Jesus when he says, uh, you've answered correctly, do this and you shall live. And then you see it with a challenge uh, that he echoes at the end where he says, go and do likewise. So why the emphasis on doing? And where we really, if we were to look at just even the history of who a lawyer or a scribe was, they were people responsible for the law. They knew the story, much like probably all of us knew the story when we came in today. We know this story. We, uh, the scribe was responsible for the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, preserving, pre uh, uh, preparing that, making sure that it was sustained throughout uh, generations. They knew. Right? But the problem and the issue was that of doing. And that's where the Lord began to settle in my heart and start working in my soul. Is like, how much is this doing problem alive in my life today? Because I think, if we were to be honest, we know the story. We know what Scripture instructs us to do. But there is the challenge in doing it. There is this challenge, and we, uh, we can be very much the mechanic that knows how to fix the car, yet doesn't turn the wrench. Or we can be the surgeon that knows the cure, that doesn't uh, conduct the operation. We can be uh, the, uh, the farmer who knows the crop but never plants a seed. One of the challenges in the Christian life is that we are actively proclaiming that which is alive in us. It's a doing problem. And we see it emerge in this, uh, in this passage today. And so we're going to examine three parts of this passage. We're going to look at a question and the dialogue that comes uh, from it. We're going to look at that familiar story. And then we're going to settle in on the challenge that he would have for us. So let's start with uh, uh, the question. The scribe comes to Jesus and he asks this question. And this question is not just a question that's only asked once by the scribe and you never hear it throughout uh, the history of time. This is a question that people wrestle with everywhere throughout history. It is the uh, question of what shall I do? What do I do with this thing called eternity? It's not just a Christian worldview where this question is asked. People consistently are asking this question as it relates to their purpose. It relates to who they are. It relates to what happens after life on this earth. People want to know, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Is there an eternity out there? And it should come to no surprise for us as believers that we ask that question. Because the book of Ecclesiastes even declares that God has put eternity into each of our hearts humanity unlike other uh, members uh, uh, other uh, members of god's creation asks this question this question this gnawing at eternity and tries to find the solution thank god we as believers we have found the answer uh, through jesus christ and what he declares to us in his word but this is a universal question that the scribe asks and it's a universal question that we all need to deal with. And the answer is not found in our resumes. It's not found in our lineage. 
right? So when he asks the question, it's flawed uh, when he says, what shall I do? And even though we're going to address a doing problem, this situation uh, to inherit eternal life cannot come by anything that we do or act or uh, a resume uh, that we can build. As a matter of fact, Scripture says, what shall we profit if we gain the whole world? If we chase after all kinds of things, what shall we gain if we profit the whole world? And yet we forfeit our soul. This question is only answered through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's only answered by his work on our behalf. It's only answered when we accept what he has done for us. But it is an essential question. And in a day and age where this question is consistently being minimized, it is a question that still yet gnaws in our hearts and that we need to acknowledge. And my prayer would be for anyone that is seeking the true answer on how do I inherit eternal life, that you would find that the true answer is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. So it begins with this question. Jesus recognizes it's a good question, and he, uh, and he also recognizes who's asking it. And so in this question, he uh, said, hey, that's a good question. What does the scripture say? And how do you read it? And if we could just settle in a little bit on that portion. What does the scripture say? Because there was some common ground found between the scribe and Jesus on that day. And the common ground was found in that it is the authority of God's word. If you notice, he didn't ask, what did so-and-so say? He didn't ask, what did the ageless philosopher say? He said, what does the scripture say? They both had a common ground of scripture, and they both recognized it as the authority for their lives. And we too, as, uh, as believers, and this world in which we live, we need to recognize that, yes, there are many other philosophies that are trying to steal our attention, that are trying to thwart the way, but the authority of Scripture, because it stands forever and was given to us by God himself, is the authority upon which we should live our lives. So the common ground is we find the authority in Scripture. But here's where it begins to break a little bit. Because he's asked the question, and he flips the script on the lawyer. The lawyer wanted to know what Jesus thought. Jesus wanted to get the lawyer owning his thinking, as a quality teacher will do, and get the lawyer to think on what the question was even about. And not only did he ask, what, is the, uh, uh, what, uh, what does Scripture say? He asked how you interpret it. How do you read it? In other words, if this is the authority of life, if this is God's word, are you really going to submit to it? Are you really going to yield yourself to what the scripture declares? Now, I can see this. I've been an educator for nearing 30 years. I can see this building up in the lawyer. The lawyer knows the answer. The lawyer is getting ready to get an A-plus on the exam. If you uh, teach little people, you're getting ready to give the sticker. He's expecting his sticker saying he did well. All right, And so he answers, love God with all you are and love others, uh, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. That's his answer. 
Jesus wants to commend the answer, provide good quality feedback. It says, you have correctly said. And can't you see the lawyer at that point beaming a little bit? He has his gold star. He's been recognized in the crowd. And then Jesus starts probing. And Jesus says something rather simplistic, but he says, okay, you've correctly stated, go and do and you shall live. And right then and there, what's exposed is the doing issue. The doing issue that is your life congruent with what you believe, right? If you say that you love God and the greatest commandment is to love God with all you have, then lawyer, are you really doing that in your life? Now, before I move forward into the story, I, I want to just land a little bit more in the question and the dialogue that came on. This is not saying that by any stretch of the imagination that our works, our resume, is what saves us. That Christ, when he says, do this and you shall live, he's not saying it's a, it's a series of acts that uh, we need to do to be justified. We are only justified through what Jesus Christ did for us. But I also, if we truly are walking in the Lord and we're truly looking at life through a biblical view, if we've truly been transformed by the renewing of our mind, if we're truly allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, it is only a natural progression that our actions will reflect that. You know, when I married uh, uh, my bride 28 years ago, right, and I said I do in front of a, a group of people, when I was saying I do, what I was committing to is that I would be different from then on than I was even 10 minutes earlier. That I was uh, be, uh, living in union with my wife and striving to be a married couple and that life would be different than it was when I was single. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, one that has been given the gift of salvation uh, through Christ and what he did for us, then it also stands to now that we are walking with Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that we will have fruits that reflect that. And then the challenge for us is to make sure that the doing issue, just like the scribe, is being performed in our life, that we are yielding to what the Spirit would like to grow in our lives. And so the scribe was now pinched a little. The scribe was uh, looking, and he knew that he was on the hook, so to speak, and so he then asked a question, and Scripture reveals the reason why that he asked the question— seeking to justify himself. He was now going to play uh, a little game of rationalization to try and make sure that he could stay put where he was at. And he said, well, you know, who is my neighbor? So now he's acting confused and uh, where before he had the gold star, now he's just wanting to make sure that he can get out of this conversation. But Jesus wanting to make sure that he continued to own his thinking and continue to process, he, uh, he then began to tell the story. The story that would cement the meaning of what he was trying to convey. And as any good teacher will tell you, when you tell a story, 
What you're really trying to do is you're trying to take the person that, you're, uh, uh, that is listening to it, and in order for them to comprehend, you want them to feel themselves in that story. You want them to see themselves in the story. And, and so for uh, the passage, as we look at this Good Samaritan story, the story that we've heard, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to see yourself in this story a bit. There's three characters we know. Uh, and, and that are in this story that are more pronounced than others. And I want us to take just a moment of time uh, to look at what these three characters are doing. What, what's the action? So we, we find the first uh, a character that I'd love for us to look at is I want us to see ourselves as the robbed. And the robbed is somebody that we know this from Scripture. He's uh, left for dead. He's been on this journey of about 17 miles. If you study the geography of that day, you would see that it would be an easy place just because of how the geography is set up with the mountain range, the elevation, for people to hide in waiting. And so we see in Scripture something, this parable. Here is this robbed man that was on a journey, fell among thieves. They beat him. They stripped him naked. They left him for dead. I think a good category for that would be he was humiliated and he was helpless. And you may say, well, how will I see myself as that? And I think it would be helpful for us to realize that that's who we were before Christ found us. We were humiliated and helpless. The thief of our soul, Scripture says that in John 10, that he has come to steal, kill, and uh, destroy. We also see that he's blinded the eyes. Uh, uh, the God of this world has blinded the eyes, lest we should come to Christ. We, before Christ came to us, were just like this robbed man left for dead with no way or remedy that we could find rescue but jesus came to our rescue and we need as we look at this rescuing act of jesus the salvation we need to see ourselves as that robbed person because when we see ourselves as our robbed it will motivate us not to rationalize it will motivate us not to excuse but we'll recognize that the thief that was stealing from us is even stealing a present day from those among us. And it will compel us to be about actively proclaiming through word and deed our love for Jesus and our love for them. We need to see ourselves as the robbed. We also need to see ourselves as the religious. Another group of people were pointed out in this passage and in this story. With intention, Jesus shares about the, uh, uh, the Levite and the priest. A little background history uh, on the Levite and priest. They, their jobs were to be the ministering agents to the children of Israel. And so it, that would certainly have not been lost on the scribe who asked the question, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus wants him to see himself in this, uh, in this picture of this Levite and this priest that both saw the need and passed on the other side. Another way to say it is they knew and they withdrew. 
they saw the need physically present and they withdrew from uh, an acting support to that need. And, we, uh, and I'm confident that they were without question rationalizing along the way. They were seeking just as uh, this uh, a lawyer had done to justify himself on why not to help and, uh, and on why, uh, why they shouldn't enact uh, a mercy. And I'm sure that some of those reasons could have been ones that we may would even deem a bit legitimate, that it was dangerous territory. Were the thieves still out there to try and, and uh, fall on them? I'm sure that they were uh, maybe looking at schedules to keep. Uh, and then I'm also confident that they may even have been rationalizing, well, I've got to get to this uh, a, a function, a religious function. See, the whole piece, we can spend a lot of times in our lives rationalizing what God sometimes is petitioning us to do that is uncomfortable for us. And this parable that the Lord is trying to cement in the life of, of this uh, a lawyer is that you know you know what the scripture says do it now here's where the nudge or the pinch came into my heart as i was studying and uh, just trying to taste it again for the first time is that just far too often if i uh, uh, was to be honest that there's too many times of incongruence between what i know and that which i do and there's too many times where I can rationalize and uh, rob myself of the joy of faithfully serving the Lord as he would want. And so the nudge for all of us this, uh, uh, this morning is that we wouldn't be the religious, but yet when we see the religious and how they uh, behaved, the nudge would be that we would recognize our incongruence we would go to the shepherd of our souls and we would ask him for direction on how that our life can be more congruent as we live and honor Jesus Christ and proclaim him to a world that so needs to hear him. And then the third one that we should see ourselves as in this story is the Samaritan. And we know uh, uh, the story of the Samaritan. That's probably the one that we've thought about the most. And because we see with the Samaritan somebody that sees the need, moves with compassion, does so many things for him. He utilizes his time. He paused on his journey to support the need. He utilized this treasure. He had oil and wine that he poured to minister to the wounds. He also uh, took him to the inn and even gave forward payment uh, to care for him. So we see him using his time, uh, his treasure. We also see him using his talents. He was able to tend to the need. The last thing that my uh, adult children would want me doing is tending to their physical needs. They asked for mom uh, years ago. They still ask for mom uh, today. Right? And the pause point, though, is the Samaritan would have also had a reason to rationalize. He could have came up with reasons not to give time, talent, and treasure to this need. The first one is that the Jewish people and the Samaritan people did not get along, thought poorly one, uh, of one another. There was a historical divide, and he could have just rationalized that I'm not going to help, I'm not going to tend to uh, this need, because that person that I'm caring for may not like me. But yet, 
he chose to love anyway. He chose to enact mercy anyway. And I, I believe that as Christians, as we're in this crossroads of cultural chaos, that one of the things that we need to challenge ourselves to do is in the face of increasing opposition, where at more uh, uh, worldviews that are counter to Scripture are being uh, uh, pressed in front of us, and the opposition is growing, we have to challenge ourselves that in spite of not being liked, in spite of not being the most popular worldview out there, we need to make a, 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 a decision that we are going to love anyway. That we're going to not rationalize our care for others away because they oppose us. Good Samaritan had all these reasons that he could have walked away, but yet he chose to engage his time, his talent, and his treasure towards loving that person that was left for dead back to health. And so we see this question, what do I need to do uh, to get eternal life? This uh, uh, brings up uh, doing. This, uh, uh, the, he answered it himself, I need to love God and I need to love others. He's asking this question, who is my neighbor? Jesus tells the story, and then he just doesn't want a good story time. He starts asking the question to give and construct meaning for uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, lawyer's life. And he asks this question this, he's like, who is the one that was the neighbor? Who proved to be the neighbor? So the lawyer asked the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus challenged, and as we uh, conclude, Jesus challenged him by saying, let's not focus on who is your neighbor. Let's focus on being a neighbor. Let's focus on being uh, someone that would uh, give of their time, their talent, and their treasure for the glory of the Lord. Let's not as a church family, as I, I came and I was listening to the announcements, let's not as a church family gloss over the fact uh, that even this past week, people who could have been doing many other things volunteered of their time, talent, and treasure to share the gospel uh, to uh, students. Let's Let's not uh, look at past all of the different things uh, that the Lord has commissioned and is alive and viable, even within our own church family, of people investing and being Good Samaritan-like. But before we start adding those to our resumes, let's also allow the Lord to kind of challenge our hearts. Are we doing what the Lord would have us to do? Are we uh, truly ministering agents for uh, pro, uh, proclaim? Because when we see the Samaritan and what he did, that will compel us that much more to give our time, our talent, and our treasure towards meeting the needs of people around us. And that's exactly what Jesus shares. He says to him, he's like, he didn't say, he didn't give him a comprehension qu a, a, a quiz after the story. Right? It, it wasn't an AR test. Uh, those of you familiar with elementary language, it was, uh, where you get uh, the points for, your, uh, for being successful. No, what Jesus was interested in is more than knowing. He said, go and do likewise. The lawyer was able to answer the, uh, 
right, uh, correctly, the person that was the neighbor was the one that showed mercy. And the Lord challenges us to go and do likewise. I'll pause to say that sometimes the challenge is not, I don't want to help. Sometimes the challenge is, there are so many needs, how do I help? And where should I help? And I think even in this passage as we close, that there's some things that we can glean that, uh, that uh, the whole of Scripture uh, certainly supports. And the first thing uh, that I think that we should do when we are so overwhelmed by the needs of this world is that we need to pray and ask the, uh, uh, the Lord to uh, have the Holy Spirit guide us into our next. He's encouraged us to do that, and he will make the needs known. I think the second thing is that we need to be uh, uh, certain that it is a need. As stewards of uh, uh, what the Lord has given us, that we need to uh, ensure that it's a need. It was an easy need identified by the Samaritan because there was a person right there left for death. Which brings me to the next thing is we're discerning on how to help uh, is that proximity certainly matters. He saw the need. And, and so, and it was near to him and he cared for that. The means to care for the need matters as well. He had the ability uh, to care for the, uh, the need, to uh, minister to the wounds, to take him uh, to the end. So he had the mean. And then he also uh, had, uh, and this is an important one, he also had the knowledge of after he had identified the need, after he attended it to it, he knew that his journey needed to continue, and he provided the resources, uh, but his journey continued, and he passed over to expertise to continue the care. And so if you're struggling this morning as a, as a believer, like, where do I help? Those, those little uh, snapshots can give us just a little window on how to exercise discernment on how that we should love well also. Great conversation that happened between Jesus and a lawyer one day. Certainly has roots to conversation that has taken place in my life as the Lord has ministered to me. A great story that accentuates the fact that let's not focus on categorizing our neighborhood on who is actually our neighbor. Let's focus on being a neighbor. And then there's a great challenge that we would be as loving and thoughtful and enacting mercy to a world that tangibly needs to see the love of Jesus with our actions uh, and uh, our joy of salvation that comes uh, from the Lord and compels us to do uh, more for him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the challenge that comes from it. I'm thankful for the encouragement that comes from it. I'm thankful, Lord, that my confidence in salvation does not come from a resume of doing and works. I'm thankful, rather, that my confidence comes from, your, uh, uh, from what you did on the cross in dying for my sins. Lord, I pray that with joy that that confidence that I have would spill out for love towards others, that we would be a testimony of Christ alive in us, 
to the end that those can see their need, that they also can glorify their Father, which is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the gift of salvation. Amen.